This is a LibriVox recording. The Little Foresters, a story of field and woods by Clarence Hawkes. Chapter 7, Frisk and Frolic. Frisk and Frolic were a beautiful pair of grey squirrels who lived in an old sugar orchard where they had the most ideal home that a pair of squirrels ever possessed. In the first place, the grove in which they lived is what is called first growth, and very tall, and a grey squirrel will not demean himself by living in small trees. He likes to be up in the world, where he can look down upon his fellow creatures and get a good view of what is going on. And besides being tall trees, the old maples were full of sweet seeds in the early autumn. If you had gone into the woods any morning in October and had sat very still under one of these great trees, you would soon have heard tiny bits of something falling, and if you were a woodsman, you would at once know that the squirrels were at work. Then a little further on in the woods there was a hickory grove, and here in the autumn was a feast that did the heart of a squirrel good just to look upon, for there among the leaves were walnuts, and what squirrel does not know the taste of a shagbark? But they did not usually eat them at once, but stored them away in the nest until winter came. Then, when the winds howled outside, and the snow was deep upon the ground, and it was impossible to gather mast, thanks to his forethought, the squirrel could sit comfortably in his hole, nibbling away at the sweet meat of the walnut. Still further on in the woods, there was an occasional chestnut, and Frisk always made it a point to pick out a fine tree of these nuts and mark it for his own. Then some night, just at dusk, when something told him that there was to be a hard frost, he would go and drop down a bushel or two of burrs, the largest upon the tree, for a squirrel is very particular about his nuts and always has the best that the tree affords. Then in the morning he would go to his tree and find that all had happened just as he expected, for there upon the ground would be his chestnut burrs, all nicely opened by the frost. Some of my little readers may ask, how did Frisk know that there was to be a frost that night? I shall have to answer that I do not understand how he knew, or how all the little foresters know a great many things that they do know, but it seems to be given them to understand many things that man does not, so that they may take advantage of them. There was also a fine apple orchard near the sugar camp, where Frisk and Frolic occasionally went for sweet apples, but they did not like to venture so near the house. Besides, the apple orchard belonged to their noisy cousin Redder, who delighted above all things to tease the grey cousins and play pranks upon them. If cousin Redder saw the grey squirrels in his apple orchard, he would straightway set up such a chattering and scolding that they were soon glad to leave, although each usually carried away a sweet apple to the maple woods, where they could eat it in quiet. For all Cousin Redder is so noisy a chap, he is not a provident squirrel, as he never lays up any store for the winter, and often gets very hungry during the cold months. One winter he got so starved out that he would have died, had not Frolic taken pity on him, and dropped down a few nuts each morning, when he came to the foot of their tree to beg for his breakfast. This was very kind of the Greyers, and Cousin Redder was never so saucy after that, and did not object to their coming into his orchard the following summer. It was a pleasant sight to see Frisk and Frolic playing on an autumn morning in the tops of the great maples. Back and forth they would go, running in very tops of the trees, leaping from limb to limb as easily and as gracefully as a bird moves in the air. They rarely lose their hold, for if they cannot catch by their feet, they will grasp the limb with their teeth. If they do happen to fall, they spread out as flat as possible and come down through the air, almost as slowly as a leaf, and the alighting does not seem to bother them at all. For sheer sport, 
I have often seen them jump from the top of a tall tree to the base of another tree, forty or fifty feet away. I do not think, if he were put to it, that a squirrel would hesitate to jump from the top of a church steeple, although it makes us shudder to think of such a thing. But God has made these little fellows for running and jumping, and he taught them how to do it when he put the first pair in the treetop. The happiest morning in all the year for the squirrel family is that when the baby squirrels come, then Frisk and Frolic cease their chattering and playing, and go soberly about their business, for they have more important matters to attend to. The babies are such helpless little mites that it takes all the Frolic's time to cuddle them in the nest and keep them warm, and Frisk is very busy providing breakfast and supper for his family. But as the summer days come and go, the baby squirrels grow strong until they can roll and tumble about the nest. Finally, they even go away into the treetops to learn of their parents the art of running and jumping, which is a squirrel's greatest delight. But a squirrel's life is not all joy, for they have their trials and tribulations, as well as all things that live, and they must ever on the lookout, or in some unguarded moment, something will do them harm. There is Redtail, the great hawk, who lives in the sky, there is nothing that he likes better for breakfast than a fat squirrel, and there is no accounting for his coming and going. End of chapter 7